Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast. We talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and today's date is the 11th day of November 2016. It's Veterans Day, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin. And just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Happy Veterans Day. And for anyone who is listening to this show, who has served in our armed forces, or who has served our country in any way, shape, or form, whether it's the military, we obviously we honor them and to, on your day, but also if you serve or do something for our country now, in any way, shape, or form, thank you. we got to treat the people who run the country with a certain amount of respect and those who put their lives on the line and and willing to risk their lives or risk their safety to protect us and if you served thank you i mean we just should thank you every day thank you and you know what i'm about to thank you again and thank you um i'm going to talk about something today and that is you know, there there are times that you we we've been so conditioned over the years to look at certain numbers as the great milestones, and that are like the 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 thresholds. That if a player passes this, they're great. If a player passes that, they're great. And you know, there's some numbers that I think, for me personally, are starting to diminish in value a little bit. Like, for example, the win, the, the category of the win. If you were a 300-win pitcher, uh, that's always been a threshold. You're a Hall of Famer. You get that 300th win, you're a Hall of Famer. But over the years, and certainly since I've been doing this podcast, and certainly the way that we now handle pitching staffs, um, we, because I, I personally handle several, the notion of a win is not the same as it used to be. It's not the same metric. Aroldis Chapman won Game 7 of this last World Series. You may remember Aroldis Chapman. He shit the bed. There are people who get losses when they pitch wonderfully. The, the, you know, the, the, the way that we use... I mean, I think who owns baseball is a more reliable metric than the win these days because it doesn't tell you much about the quality of the pitcher. It tells you it's a storytelling stat. It tells you who is the pitcher of record when this or that or the other thing happened. But as a metric of greatness, I mean, look, if you win 300 games, obviously you've done some things you're right. You can't be a complete Mr. Magoo and just luck your way into every single victory. But there are people who are going to fall far short of 300 wins in their career, and I'm still going to look at them as an all-time great. Uh, so there's some that are kind of easier to let go of. Some that are just so ingrained in our brain that it, it's it's impossible not to, you know, cling to them. 3,000 hits. I remember the first year that I really followed baseball, and, and this is part of the basis of why I have the rule of seven. And for those of you who are new to the swimming along the River Sully every day, the rule of seven is, I believe, that you don't really start, and you, I don't care, every woman, every man I know who follows baseball, 
I think this is a pretty accurate rule. If you're a diehard <clears throat> baseball fan, unless you're someone who's interested to it later in life, if you were someone that baseball was always on in the house and people, you were introduced from a young age, seven years old is when you really begin to know who the players are and follow it day for day. Uh, I, I knew who some of the players were when I was five and six, but really following the team day for day started when I was seven. And if you ask most people, who was your first favorite player? What's your first memory of this, your first memory of that? Chances are that it's, they're around six, seven, or eight years old. So that's why I call the rule of seven. And in the first year that I truly followed baseball, day-to-day was 1979, when your pal Sully was a mere seven years old. And that was the year that Carl Yastrzemski, I was living in the suburbs of, Massachusetts, of Boston in a town called Weston, Massachusetts. And that was the year Carl Yastrzemski got his 400th home run and his 3,000th hit. And he became the first American League player to have that combination, 3,000 hits, 400 home runs. And it was a magical time. It basically cemented Yastrzemski in the Hall of Fame and it was, the, it was his, along with his magical 1967 season, it was his crowning achievement. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so I learned at that age the importance of 3,000 hits. You heard all the names that, were, that he was associated with. It, it became a magical night when he did both of them, once against the A's, once against the Yankees. I had my Yaz shirt on. It was great. And it's still a number that when a player passes it, it's still really special. I, I still feel it. Even if people, even if I understand that hits are not the end-all, be-all, it's getting on base, whether it's by a hit or by a walk or hitting it by a pitch, whatever it is, that, you know, you could go, you could be hitless in a game and still be incredibly productive. I, I'd much rather look at uh, OPS than I look at batting averages now. But when I hear he's a 300 hitter, I say, oh, man, he's doing great. Even though I'm like, yeah, it's not always the best metric. But 3,000 hits is still, to me, a magical number. And I, I started thinking about that because I, was, I went to BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. A-Rod, I don't know if you've heard this, but A-Rod's career is over, and he's – of all the players who played in 2016, A-Rod had the highest career hit toll with 3,115. Now, Ichiro Suzuki was second with 3,030 career hits. Now, keep in mind this about uh, our, our buddy Ichiro, and certainly my wife's favorite player. His rookie year was at age 27, because those 3,000 hits do not include all the hits he got in Japan. But I'm looking at this listing here of the active leaders. Now, A-Rod's career is over. I'm not sure about Ichiro and where he's going to be. But you have Adrian Beltre is going to get to 3,000 hits this year, uh, 2017. Adrian Beltre is sitting on 2,942 hits. Albert Pujols is sitting on 2,825 hits. He'll probably pass 3,000 hits, if not in 2017, then certainly in 2018. Um, Carlos Beltran is at 2,600. Uh, he's at uh, 2,617. He's not going to pass it this year, but he could very well do it soon. And Miguel Cabrera is already at 2,519 hits. 
and he's only 33. If he continues being a very good hitter for the next bunch of years, you know, Cabrera is going to see some pass some really, really, really great milestones. And for that, all I can say is don't test positive. But I'm looking at that and I'm using a metric, which I know is not the best metric. But one of the problems that people like your pal Sully and like a lot of stubborn old farts with some of the more complicated and uh, intricate advanced stats, while they are much better for predictive qualities and probably much better for evaluating a player's value, is that redundant? It probably is. That if you have a higher war, a higher FIP, or a higher BIP, or you know, anything along those lines, it's tough to have that moment when you pass it, that sort of definitive moment that you are now, you are now past 3,000 hits. Ball goes past Willie Randolph, 3,000 hits. There's your, you know, the, the 715th home run by Henry Aaron over the wall, Milo Hamilton going bananas. These are the things that's a definitive moment, and that's harder to do with some of the advanced stats. Maybe that's one of the things that makes the advanced stats more reliable, but you still it's that moment of triumph. And so I was thinking about something, and we like big round numbers. We as a society love round numbers. We went bananas for the year 2000. Do you realize the year 2000, in terms of you know reality, what how little that actually means? The Earth isn't 2,000 years old. It's at the very least, from the most crazy, out-of-their-mind creationists, it's got to be 7,000 years old, at the least. Several billion years, just please. Uh, it's not even 2,000 years, if, if you're going to go all out, it's not even 2,000 years from the birth of Christ, because the, any, you know, the, they, that was just sort of a name that was thrown in the air. And, you know, that, well, this is, we're A.D. such and such. It was wrong. The calculation was wrong based on the, the, the literature. But we went bananas when the calendar turned over 2000. We go bananas when it goes to a new decade. And suddenly, you know, when we get to 2020, it's 2020. You know, there'll be another presidential election. And won't that be fun? And we love round numbers like 5,000. Or, no one's had 5,000. It's 3,000 hits, you know, 400 home runs, 300 wins, blah, 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 blah. We love big round numbers. So, how do I accomplish that, understand that 3,000 may not be the best metric for determining a great hitter and still get that fun of the big round number? And for that, I say 5,000. 5,000. The number 5,000 is something I've been kicking around. If you get on base, whether by hit, walk, or hit by pitch. Now, I haven't gone through everything. I'm sure the good folks at High Heat Stats, I'm sure the good folks uh, all over the place who have done great stat work could have this already listed out. But I started seeing that the ones who reached the 5,000 level of when combining those stats are really, really up there of the greats of all time. 
Now, you take someone, let's just take Babe Ruth, for example. Babe Ruth finished, uh, he didn't get 3,000 hits in his career. And he finished when combining hits, walks, and hit by pitch. Babe Ruth was at 4,978. 22 either hits or walks shy. But keep in mind, the first bunch of years of his career, he was a pitcher primarily and not playing every day. If he was an everyday player for one more year, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Babe Ruth would have either gotten uh, 22 hits or walks in that year. Call me crazy. Call me bananas. But I started looking at some all-time great players and sort of fits in rather, and also taking players who are considered the great hitters of their era and everything like that. Tony Gwynn, one of my favorite players, Hall of Famer, no doubt about it, he didn't forget 5,000, he didn't get to 4,000 when you combine hits, walks, and hit by pitch. He got to 3,955. Tim Raines is right behind him, you know, or no, actually is ahead of him with 3,977. Tony Gwynn's in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. Tim Raines is still being debated. And I started looking at some of the numbers and some of the people who have joined the 5,000 club. Willie Mays fell just short. Hank Aaron blew right past it. 5205. Ted Williams fell short, but remember he lost those years to the war. Stan Musial, easy, 5,282. Do you know who blew past it really easily? Ricky Henderson. He's in the 5,000 club. 5,343. I mentioned Yaz earlier, and I was kind of worried to look up Yaz. Oh, geez, Yaz. He's, I hope I don't find him underrated. Nope, he's a 5,000 club member. 5,304. And just sort of some other people looking around. Uh, I mentioned uh, Henry Aaron. Um, Bonds. Barry Bonds. Fell short of being the 3,000-hit club. I think he should, the, the Marlins should activate him so he can get to 3,000 just to experience that. Hell, they had Ichiro get 3,000 Marlins uniform. Why not Bonds? As it stands, you know where he is? He's nearly at 5,600. He's at 5,599. Um, Ty Cobb is up there. I said Yaz passed it, 5,304. Um Cobb, 5,532. The biggest total that I figured out so far in this category of who's in the 5,000 hit club, someone nearly got to the 6,000 in terms of hits, walks, and hit by pitchers. Do you know who it is? That'd be Pete Rose. Of all the ones I've looked up, he's at 5,929. So this way you could... If we celebrate the 5,000 club, and I will someday, I will, I will figure this out or I'll ask some of the people who are, you know, have those great stat sites and everything like that to figure out who's in the, who's the full members of the 5,000 club, that we can look at some of the players who are creeping up on that. Now, I thought Robinson Cano would have a higher total at this point in his career, he's at, but he's not even at 3,000. He's in his early 30s. There's two players out there who I think have, 
you know, I mean, of course, someone, if someone like Mike Trout or someone like Jose Altuve keep playing at this high level, then yes. But I think it's too early. There's two that I think you're looking at their career and you think they're going to close on it fast. It's not Beltre. It's not Beltran. Albert Pujols is already at 4,139. Now, if he can get 800-some-odd more hits or walks or hit-by-pitches over his career, he'll join that group. He's already passed 4,000. Can he get to 5,000? Now, I brought up Miguel Cabrera, and he's already at 3,500, but he's still, what, he's going to be 33, 34, and still putting up tremendous numbers. If he can do that for the next five-some-odd years, he'll be a 5,000 member. So maybe that's something we have to do. Something that we have to recalibrate and still be able to have that sensation of that's the moment, whether it's a walk, a hit, got hit by a pitch or whatever, that's the moment that they join the 5,000 club, that they get to join the ranks and be mentioned in the same breath as Bonds. I'll mention Bonds, Aaron, Cobb, Rose, Yastrzemski, Ricky Henderson, Stan Musial, some of the great offensive players of all time. You know, Mays fell short in joining this club. Ruth fell short of joining this club. Does that mean all these players are better than Ruth and Mays? Of course it does, because Ruth and Mays were terrible. No. But it just means it's part of one specific metric that we can use for someone who will say, all right, is this, is this person a great hitter? Well, yeah. Now... If I really want to dig deep, I'll figure who's in 5,000 with, like, 500 homers and everything like that. But, you know, it's getting late, and we're all kind of tired. But that's just a way. Maybe there's ways that we could celebrate players, have those great definitive moments where they join the club, and take into account that our ways of looking at a player's greatness has evolved over the years. You know, I said this before, I've made this point, that there is a notion, there is a concept that if you are someone in baseball who fails seven times out of ten, then you're one of the great players. Well, that only accounts batting average. You know, someone like, you know, there are years where you've seen players have on-base percentages in the 400s or even the 500s, which means, no, they're not failing seven times out of ten. And maybe just piling up the hits, which is not a bad thing to do, but if your job is to not make an out, I guess these are the ones who have the most productive at-bats of all time. And joining the 5,000 club, the 5,000 fraternity, is something that, well, may be the new cool way to take an account of how we look at stats and how we look at a player's value and still have a nice moment. It's the sort of thing that crosses my mind on an off-season day and I'm trying to avoid talking about the election. Because do you know what? No one wants to hear a baseball guy talk about that. But if you want a safe place to talk, chat, vomit up stuff about baseball, or to salute our veterans on Veterans Day. It is Veterans Day, right? Do you know what? Even if it's not, even if I'm getting confused, even if today is not Veterans Day but Monday is, do you know what? 
I'm going to err on the side of honoring our veterans. I had someone who was, was kind of mad, uh, you know, a friend of mine, a very smart friend of mine, was sort of like, well, you know, people say, people talk about, you know, thanking the troops and thanking our servicemen and women and everything uh, on Memorial Day, but that's when you honor the dead, not the ones who are alive. I said, you know what? Err on the side of saluting those who serve our country, even if it's not the exact definition of the holiday. Knock it off, relax, shut up, have some eggnog. Eggnog's coming back. Eggnog rocks. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 11th day of November 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. You don't have to salute me, but I'm going to join the 5,000 Club when I reach that level in number of podcasts. And you can call me Sullivan.